This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, a general internist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The cells in our nervous system are extremely specialized, especially those in the brain. When these cells are damaged by either illness or injury, in many cases, the function those cells controlled, such as speaking or walking or even remembering, is often lost forever. Unfortunately, nervous tissue does not have a great potential to regain function once its function is lost. Exciting research is being done in the field of neuroregenerative medicine, which will give hope for improvement to those with chronic neurodegenerative disease or nerve damage from injury. With us to discuss the field of neuroregenerative medicine is Dr. Nathan Staff, a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic. Nathan, welcome. Uh, Thank you for having me today. Well, this is an exciting area. Neurology is an interesting field in that it doesn't respond well to transplant organs like a pancreas or a liver. The cells are so specialized. So in the field of neurology, what are some of the unmet patient needs and how will regenerative medicine address some of those needs? You touched on it a lot in your introduction and that in neurology, especially when thinking about the brain and spinal cord, the neurons that live there, once they've been damaged and die off, they don't replace themselves. There's no real true regenerative capacity of the brain or spinal cord once it's been injured. And that can be either because of a neurodegenerative disease, such as Alzheimer's, ALS or Parkinson's disease, trauma or stroke. Uh, All of those can lead to really irreversible damage. And so I think in those areas, there is a great unmet need to try to be able to improve the brain and spinal cord function after it's been damaged. Regenerative medicine offers the hope of ultimately trying to replace neurons or replace other brain and spinal cord tissues. I think right now, much of what's being done in neuroregeneration focuses more on neuroprotection. So using cell-based therapies to be able to get into the spinal cord or brain to be able to slow down damage or affect neuroinflammation in ways that hadn't been able to be done before. But I think there's really, you know, there are great unmet needs in neurology. And, and I think regenerative medicine has the, the capacity to, to help in that area. Yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing concept of, of regeneration in that you can't just replace a nerve with a nerve. It's got so specialized function, maybe a motor nerve, or maybe a sensory nerve, maybe an autonomic nerve. So in addition to the body accepting it, I mean, it's got to have a very specialized function, which is just mind-blowing to me. I don't, I'm not quite sure how this works, but uh, I guess I'm not a neurologist. Yeah, it is a challenge. It's not only the, the specialization from kind of the biology of the nerve, it's, it's the structure of a nerve is is rather mind-boggling as well. So, for example, the nerve that connects to the muscle to allow your toe to wiggle, you know, the, the cell body for that nerve lives in your spinal cord, but then an axon grows out of that neuron and goes all the way down to the muscle. So you're looking at a single cell that by itself can be three, four feet long and being able to regenerate that once it's been damaged or, or dies off is, is really a, a very complicated biological problem. I would think so. 
Well, as I was preparing for this, I was reading an article on uh, what uh, you and your coworkers are doing in terms of uh, potential regenerative medicine therapy. And there is a number of things listed, but I was fascinated by some of these. What's going on in the field of Alzheimer's disease? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, in all of neurology, there's a lot of active research uh, that's going on. Um, much of it is in the preclinical stage, not going into patients, but there are things that are starting to go into patients as well. You know, I think the way I like to imagine and, and construct regenerative medicine is, is what's the type of cell that's being used or the type of biology that's being used to treat neurologic conditions. So we have mesenchymal cells, which are probably the most common cells being used for regenerative therapy. So mesenchymal stromal cells, MSCs. And, and those cells actually live uh, in many places in the body. They can be harvested from fat, bone marrow. They're typically isolated in the laboratory and then can be delivered into the nervous system or into the bloodstream. And those cells are not expected, again, to replace neurons that have died off but really are more there to provide neuroprotection to things like Alzheimer's. And so MSCs are being looked at as a treatment for, for Alzheimer's to go into the nervous system, provide protein trophic factors to keep the neurons alive longer, but then also possibly modulate the immune system and decrease neuroinflammation, which is increasingly being shown to have a role in the pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease. That's amazing. Another field where we've had very little in the past to offer our patients is that of multiple sclerosis. Uh, what's happening in that field? Likewise, MSCs are being used uh, for multiple sclerosis, but I think you know, some of the more exciting areas of multiple sclerosis regenerative medicine are, on one hand, actually just replacing the immune system because we know that multiple sclerosis is an immune-mediated uh, disease and attack on the neurons. So undergoing a stem cell transplant like a patient who has lymphoma or leukemia undergoes is being used more and more for multiple sclerosis to, again, replace and rejuvenate the immune system. Um, there's also uh, some very exciting preclinical data where they're replacing the myelin cells that uh, exist in the brain. So myelin is a uh, a structure that coats the neurons and helps them work better, and it's the main area that's attacked in multiple sclerosis. So that's an area where stem cells that can grow into myelin-producing cells can be introduced into the brain and re replace that area of damage. So that almost sounds like you're not just aiming for stability of the disease, but actually patient improvement. Is that correct? Oh, that's definitely the case. That would be truly amazing. How about Parkinson's disease? That's been another one. I've cared for so many patients for so long, and it's been a very difficult thing to uh, control. What, what's new in Parkinson's? Yeah, so uh, there's a number of approaches that are being utilized for Parkinson's disease. It's one of the diseases that I think has the longest history in regenerative medicine. Going back decades, there have been attempts to inject cells that secrete dopamine, which is the primary neurotransmitter that's deficient in Parkinson's disease. So injecting those cells into areas of the brain to replenish dopamine. And that's shown some success, but hasn't been really, I think, the cure that people have been hoping for. And so there's uh, more advanced cell technologies that are being directed into different parts of the brain. And I think something that's also what we consider part of neuroregeneration 
is using uh, electricity or neuromodulation to try to treat uh, diseases. So there's a, a huge field of neuromodulation, especially with regards to Parkinson's disease, where stimulation of neurons can be undergone by either external or internal stimulation of the brain and really can help with a lot of the symptoms that are associated with Parkinson's disease. Well, that's what's going on in research. What's actually happening now? What types of regenerative products or therapies are you currently using to optimize patient outcomes? Well, I think, you know, really at this point for the neurologic diseases, there are a number of neuromodulation therapies, again, the electrical therapies that have been FDA approved uh, specifically for Parkinson's disease, also for epilepsy, which is, uh, you know, a disease that causes uh, patients to have seizures over time. With regard to cell-based therapy, they're really all still in the research phase, but they're moving along. So as you know, products go through the drug development pipeline. They start in a phase one trial where small numbers of patients really looking for safety. Then we move into phase two uh, clinical trials where we're starting to get a signal about benefit as well as safety. And then phase three, which are the big trials that typically lead to FDA approval. And so there's a number of neuroregenerative trials uh, within neurology that are both in phase two and phase three. So I think, you know, hopefully over the next year or so, we'll be able to get some answers as to whether these therapies are going to be able to be marketed and, and commercialized for patients. Is there much patient counseling that goes on with, uh, with the discussion of these options? Oh, definitely. So as you know, I'm involved in a lot of clinical trials with ALS. Typically, the informed consent process where we discuss the pros and cons of, of these clinical trials those visits can last uh, for two hours where we discuss all the ins and outs of the therapy, kind of what goes on during the clinical trials, what are the pros, what are the cons, what are the risks, what are the benefits. And I think it, it's a really important time to be able to, to spend with a, a patient before they embark on that sort of therapeutic uh, approach. The term stem cell itself kind of comes with a lot of emotional charge to it. I think people hear the term stem cell and there's often a thought that there's like possibly an immediate cure associated with it. And I think it's important to recognize that, that stem cells are, are certainly a hopeful option uh, for both now and the future, but I think recognizing that they are merely one of many types of therapies that, that, we're, that we're trying to bring forth in these difficult diseases. Well, you mentioned ALS, and I know you're participating in the, actually, I guess you're almost completed, a phase three multi-centered clinical trial aimed at treating ALS. Uh, what can you tell us about that and the experience the patients have gained and what are the plans for the future? Yeah, so the, it's, it's kind of an exciting time for stem cells and ALS. So we were, as you said, one of the sites, uh, six different sites throughout the U.S., for a phase three trial sponsored by the company Brainstorm. Their product is called Neurone. And the trial is done. Uh, we enrolled around 200 patients and it was a double-blind, placebo-controlled, one-to-one trial where patients received autologous, so it came from the patient themselves, uh, and they were MSCs that were modified in a way to secrete more neurotrophic factors. Again, factors that might help keep the neurons alive longer. And these uh, MSCs were delivered through the spinal fluid, so through a lumbar puncture, and patients received three injections spaced two months apart. And then we followed them for six months after their injections to see how they did. 
And the top line results were unfortunately a little bit disappointing. The original outcomes that the company had designed for uh, determining whether there was full success in the trial, they didn't meet their primary endpoint. Now, I will say that they had an extremely aggressive primary endpoint where they were hoping and expecting to see dramatic improvements with a, a great number of the patients. But I will say that also when they look into some of the subgroups that were treated in the study, that there did seem to be a, a sign of benefit. And so these results were really just released a few weeks ago. And the company and, and the researchers are digging deep into the data to see whether there is, is a benefit, in fact, there that, that can be brought forward into future studies. All of the stuff you're currently doing sounds exciting, but what do you see for the future? What excites you when you look at what could be done and say, what will be happening in five or maybe even 10 years? No, it's, it is a, it's a fun thing to think about. You know, we have a lot of things that are coming through the laboratory setting. MSCs are being modulated, so we're now able to use gene editing technology where we insert specific genes into cells that we think will be beneficial for specific diseases and then deliver the cells almost as kind of a, a cell manufacturing company where it, uh, the cell goes in and it spits out the protein that we want to help the disease. So there's a lot of different cell genetic edited cell products that are, that are coming through the pipeline. Neuromodulation is getting more and more uh, sophisticated over time. So in addition to providing electrical stimulation to modulate the nervous system and provide benefits for epilepsy and Parkinson's disease and other diseases, it's becoming now where we're able to sense neuronal activity and then adjust the stimulation based on what the neuronal activity is doing. So say somebody has a seizure that's coming on, you can sense that seizure and then deliver a stimulation just at the right time. We're also working toward brain-computer interfaces where we're listening to the neural activity in the brain and connecting it to computers to be able to help people who have paralysis. And then I think the final thing that is both the future but then also today is the growing area of gene therapies. So a number of uh, diseases of the neurologic uh, system are genetic diseases. And so uh, gene therapies are being developed for these that can actually do rather dramatic uh, improvements in the diseases over time. So one example is uh, spinal muscular atrophy, which is uh, primarily a paralytic disorder of children. And there are actually F two FDA, FDA-approved gene therapies for spinal muscular atrophy that clearly show great benefit for these children. And so as that technology gets spread out to the broader genetic disease community, I think we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Well, what difficulties or challenges do we need to overcome to enable patient access to these uh, regenerative approaches? A couple things. You know, first, I think we need to, in the area of cell therapies, that we need to have some successes. You know, we're still fairly early on in, in the process that we need to get some of these cell therapies through and show that they actually provide benefits for, for patients with neurologic diseases. Once they become FDA approved, the access will increase. I think another issue will be how to scale the manufacturing of cell-based therapies. You know, they, these are much different than you know, your typical pill that you're manufacturing in pharmaceutical companies, especially in the case of autologous therapies or cell therapies that 
come from the patient and then go back to the patient. That's a, a very specialized manufacturing process for a single person's cells. And figuring out ways to have smooth manufacturing of those autologous therapies is going to be key. And there's a lot of advances in that area, such as developing bioreactors that can do the cell manufacturing without a lot of hands-on work with it. Well, let's conclude by asking you to kind of summarize maybe two or three take-home points regarding neuroregenerative medicine. The first point that I'd like to make is that I think that there's a lot of hope with regard to neuroregenerative therapies. There's a great unmet need for our patients that have neurodegenerative diseases or strokes or traumas that uh, we're not currently meeting with the therapies that we're able to provide now. And I think both in terms of cell therapies that will help protect the neurons that are there and keeping them from dying off, but in the future, developing neuroreplacement therapies where we can put in cells that can replace the function of the neurons that are dying off. And I think that there's a lot of area for growth and hope in that area. Second is that we're kind of on the cusp of starting to recognize whether these cell therapies are going to be truly beneficial with the version that we have. And so there's a number of clinical trials that are out there that will be providing information soon to, to guide us in, in terms of whether these cell therapies are ready to come to patients now or whether they need to be modified in a way that makes them more beneficial. And then finally, what we need to do is, is recognize that we are still in early days and that while there's an area for hope, there's still a, a great need for basic research in, in terms of developing the, the correct therapies that we can bring to patients to uh, improve their care. Well, we've been discussing the amazing potential of neuroregenerative medicine with Dr. Nathan Staff, a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic. Nathan, thank you for sharing this exciting information. It's just been amazing to hear this. Thank you for having me. It's been very enjoyable. You can now listen to over 100 different medical topics developed for primary care providers on Mayo Clinic Talks podcasts. Find them at ce.mayo.edu or your favorite podcasting app. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please subscribe. Stay healthy and see you next week. Mm -hmm.